Tucker. It would be the longest in NFL history if it's good. A 66-yard try. Tucker's kick is on the way. It is good! Crossbar, and it tumbles through. It is good! Time has expired. Justin Tucker with the longest field goal in NFL history. The hay is in the barn, and it's mayhem on the field. Oh, my God. You've just seen I just history. lost my mind. You have just oh seen and God. heard history as Justin Tucker, eight years after he hit a 61-yarder to win in Detroit, has silenced the crowd with the longest field goal in NFL history, 66 yards. Welcome back to Ravens Recap, where it's another week, another Justin Tucker game-winning field goal. This time, you know, just broke the NFL record. No big deal. Just another week here being a Ravens fan. But man, what a sloppy game this was turning into and did not appear like it was become one of the most memorable in Ravens history. But man, they pulled it out and we've got the Ravens sitting here at two and one in one of the most dramatic starts to the season that I can remember at least. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to remember any parts of this game except for the last minute. (laughs) it was garbage garbage in garbage out the Ravens only converted one out of 10 third downs and it showed the offense was getting stifled all over the place no finishing of drives I think uh, Tucker attempted more field goals than he had all season in this one game granted it's a small sample size but you know he got trot out there five times made four of them and was easily the most important player on offense yeah i didn't get a chance to see the game live but even on replay yeah two big things that stood out to me one yeah just the the sloppy play on both sides uh it felt like until the lions had those two long drives in the third and fourth quarter which ate up a good portion of the second half both teams really just weren't doing anything honestly going a little bit down the field and just stalled drives missed opportunities field goal attempts, just nothing really exciting. Uh, the other thing that stood out to me too, particularly in the first half, were just penalties, just sloppy play everywhere. I mean, you have holding calls, you have uh, illegal shifts, you have false starts on the home team, which is really strange. A, a very sloppy game overall, and just the Ravens, I think, were just lucky to come out with a win here. So that was Justin Tucker, the most field goal attempts he has had in a game since week 16 of the 2018 season in the Ravens 22 to 10 victory over the Chargers so Alec is correct it had been a while since the Ravens had needed that yeah I agree it just there really didn't seem to be much urgency for the Ravens on offense in the first half really defensive game plan started out good but eventually I think there was some fatigue there you had a lot of guys playing Uh, in positions that they weren't expecting, getting a lot more playing time that they were expecting due to a combination of injuries and surprise news that came out. I believe it was Saturday um, of, was it Friday or Saturday that the COVID uh, news came out? I think it was Friday because we thought that those guys might have had a chance to come back, but upon further reflection, not the case. So the Ravens also had to replace several key starters on the front seven due to COVID um, tests. Put all that together, um, it's not completely surprising that the defense broke down, but it is a bit surprising on the offensive side, as 
inconsistent as the run game was, which we'll get to when it was a surprise, the Ravens still had a great chance to win this game big. Lamar Jackson, in my opinion, was it, this was one of the best games he had from a passing perspective, although the stat line won't reflect that in his career, I think. But plenty of, of times receivers wide open, mostly uh, Hollywood Brown, although there was a miscommunication between Lamar and Andrews in the end zone when he was wide open as well, at least. And Watkins might have had a drop as well. But yeah, Marquise Brown, we said oh, so many great things about him last week and just just had one of those games that he's just going to want to forget. Dropped two for sure touchdowns, and then the third drop, he had plenty of open field to run with, and he could have turned that into a big gain as well. Yeah. Unfortunately, all of our bold predictions fell flat. You know, we had no pick, let alone two. Bowser with his uh, stone hands. You know. <laughs> no one could catch, not even the linebackers. <laughs> uh, you know, Peter was like the closest. Duvernay did get a touchdown. We did see more Prochet, like an uptick in his... Uh, snaps but uh it didn't result in two touchdowns for them and then of course like surprisingly the run game was not hitting all cylinders so basically every single part of the ravens team played down to their opponent which i felt was maybe the one of the first times we've seen that in the lamar era i just like was trying to think it over of how often we just steamrolled lower opponents with lamar and this was not the time but like you said peter a lot of things were heading against us, plus just some like kind of surprising bad play. It's so unfortunate that Hollywood had that awesome start to the game. I think he started off really strong, just mm-hmm. like another great performance. And then once he got like the yip, so to speak, uh, he uh, just wasn't able to really redeem himself in this game. And uh, I have confidence that he will uh, come back. I'm not too worried about this. I don't think it's going to be an issue because like the way he was winning right now, the hands will come. I think this is just a, a blip. So really unfortunate for him, super unfortunate for the team, because like, like you said, Peter, like this game wouldn't have been remotely interesting. He would have two more touchdowns to the score. Drives would have been converted. And we walk out of there thinking like, yep, the Ravens did what they were supposed to do. So they were really close to pulling that off, but just a, a few miscues. I think the other thing too, um, give credit to Detroit for definitely hanging in there. I thought their corners played pretty well. I know in one of the, quote-unquote drops that Hollywood had in the end zone. It was tipped by the cornerback safety. I'm not sure who was playing up on that play, but it was tipped, so slightly altered Hollywood's catch radius. He, you know, still could have adjusted, but you know, it was a little bit difficult. Um, and I believe there was one or two other tip passes as well, the kind of like deep passes where, you know, Lamar put it in a good spot. You know, it wasn't perfect. Um, if it was, it would have been like a few inches just forward to kind of get out of that cornerback's hand but they played pretty good coverage and were able to make some of those plays to to keep the Ravens at bay which is good the other thing too I mean their offense stuck in there pretty much the whole game I mean third quarter uh DeAndre Swift just dominated the Ravens highlighting uh, you know another uh downside we you know we can talk about a little bit later just uh, the defensive tackling it's just not very good uh, it seemed like Swift is, was kind of just taking over the third quarter, basically, uh, fourth quarter as well. My fantasy team was a little happy for that, but as a <laughs> uh, as a fan, it's just hard to see, you know. It's definitely, I uh, would have expected the Ravens to kind of come away with a uh, a lot more points this game. But, yeah, they've, they've got a lot of stuff to work on. Yeah, the run game in particular is very interesting because... In some ways, what we saw Swift and Williams do was a a lot of what we saw with the Raiders in week one and Jacobs, where they weren't 
getting many yards when they were on the ground. Look, Swift, 3.4 yards per carry. Williams, 3.5. I'm pretty sure Jacobs and Drake were both also under four point under four yards per carry in that Monday night opener. But what both those teams did was they just continued to run the football, uh, even though it wasn't incredibly effective. They were just continuing to wear down the front seven with that. And that was enough to get them back in the game. And that's something I think the Ravens are going to have to keep an eye on. In particular, I haven't done any deep dives uh, into the film to watch this aspect specifically, but I did see something really interesting on next-gen stats. So next-gen stats, if uh, you look at that, they've got different charts up that show different aspects of the game. It's not comprehensive, but they do have some interesting information on there from time to time. And something that I noticed today looking through it is all three games this season, they have rushing charts up. You can see where the um, different teams were giving up yards to, to the running backs. For the Ravens, by far, it's like at least 80% maybe more of the rushing projection that they've given up this year to opposing running backs is on the right side outside. So, you know, and the gaps between the, the guard and the tackle and off tackle seems to be a real weak spot to this run defense and teams just keep exploiting it. Um, so that's, you know, that, that side of the football, they're having difficulty setting the edge and that's going to be something that the Ravens are going to have to look to patch up, uh, especially with some tough rushing teams, uh, in the next couple of games coming up. I feel like this Ravens defense is really hard to get a, a finger on. If you just look at the raw like points scored or the yardage or you know common tropes to defensive production, uh, they look terrible, right? But they have a lot of really good players and they make a lot of impact plays. And I'm trying to figure out like <laughs> what the deal is, right? Like I understand the opponents that we've played are probably a little bit above average. Um, the game scripts are such that like points are worth putting up but it really seems like the lack of tackling really racks up these huge plays that really rack up the yardage for them and then when they are able to tackle they're like you know pretty darn contained <laughs> i don't know like it is a very interesting defense to watch and it makes me feel like it's correctable right it makes me feel like eventually this defense could really be kicking on all cylinders like it was good to see jimmy back he had a couple uh typical plays from him and of course, like with the defensive line and um, outside linebacker group really, really thinned out from the COVID reductions, I was just impressed to see guys like Campbell step up, pay 75% of snaps, make plays, play after play after play. I saw Campbell make. Yeah, I thought Campbell had a great game. Uh, Chuck Clark was all over the place uh, making tackles. Marlon Humphrey, Marlon Humphrey in particular, really stood out to me. I don't think we give him enough credit for how good of a open field tackler he is you really don't usually think of cornerbacks in that sense and Humphrey does such a good job at coverage and forcing turnovers uh, that that's not the first thing that we talk about with him but especially in a game where like we're saying there was so much poor tackling um, his ability to just square up a runner uh, tackle him fully with two arms and in particular there were several instances where he was tackling a guy and he had perfect awareness of where the runner was where the first down marker was and making sure that the tackler was going to be and you know, that the ball carrier was going to be short of the line. I mean, I think <laughs> if I were Wink, I would just sit down the defense and just show them tapes of, of what Humphrey did in the game on Sunday and just tell them like, you know, this is what you guys got to do because his tackling was 
really stood out in a game where the rest of the team, or I shouldn't say the rest of the team, a good number of the team was really struggling in that department. Yeah, that play on third and two, uh, I think that you're talking about, Peter, where Humphrey came in like a missile and just wrapped up Khalif Raymond uh, yep. short, of the, short of the first down. Um, yeah, fantastic play by him. I love seeing that play live. Um, yeah, so, you know, there's so many guys who just like like to kind of like get a few yards up and wait for the ball carrier to make a move in order to do something. It's like that's a textbook of just like, you know, situational, like, hey, you've got to make this play. Like, you got got to get off the field. Just be decisive, like make the play, wrap up, hold the guy, and, you know, prevent the first down. It was excellent play. Speaking of Chuck Clark, I want to go back to him for a second. I'm loving watching him as a player. I mean, I know, you know, we raved on him in 2019. He had a really great impact that year. 2020 was a little bit less so, but he was still kind of there. 2021, man, I, I'm I'm really uh, starting to appreciate the the core that we have back there. I think, you know, all three of the guys that are remaining, uh, Marlo, Chuck Clark, Deshaun Elliott, I just I love watching them, man. They're just playing at such a high level. I love seeing their communication on the back end and just like what they can do. They're so versatile. One play in particular that I just I, I just love seeing because I think it kind of shows like I don't know like I feel like when you're talking about defense, you don't see you don't really get to see defensive like audibles or as much or kind of like the communication on the back end to kind of like disguise coverages and stuff like that. You don't see a lot of, of that sort of like pre-snap movement, you know, at least consistently. I, I always go back to 2006 of, of the Ravens defense then of, of it, it always felt like before the snap of just, you didn't know where guys are going to come from and they were, are they going to rush? Are they going to go back? Um, but there was a lot of a movement behind the line, but before the snap was, was taken. And the one play in this game, which I thought was great, was that double safety blitz. I don't know if it was an audible or if it was just Clark kind of coordinating, you know, disguising it on the back end or something. But he kind of made a movement to Elliot and he was like, come on up, come on up. Clark was sort of in the box. Elliot was there. They both start to rush uh, the passer and Clark gets a free lane to sack off for a, I don't know, 10 or 12 yard loss or something. I, I love seeing that play, man. It was just excellent. You know, again, just kind of goes back to the versatility for Clark and and just the IQ of of being able to get the guys in the right position for everything. You know, I, I can't wait to see them make more plays, man. Just the, the group of the three of them, because right now I think they are our, our strongest guys on this defense right now. Yeah, they uh, were a really, that was a really interesting play, Chris. I saw that you had pointed it out in the show notes. And when I was rewatching the game, I watched it a couple times because it was a really interesting formation. Uh, they were kind of playing where linebackers would typically be, uh, but there was still like, you know, a deep safety. I imagine it was Stevens. Um, but of course, you know, like the, at that time, it wasn't the all 22. So I was just watching the game film. I couldn't see who was back there, but I could tell there was somebody back there. And it was just a really unique um, play call and just a lot of fun to watch them develop that play i want to give a shout out to averett though i'm um, one of my favorite plays of the whole game was watching him smash that receiver early to get the ball out uh you know defying the physicality and he was in tight coverage all day there was a couple times he broke up passes and um the other times they didn't throw his way right so um i thought you know he just played really really well and it was worth pointing that out the secondary despite the injuries and like elliot uh you know missing time every single game it seems with injuries uh, has been able to hold together and um, definitely be the playmakers uh, for this defense, at least in this game. Yeah. I think the secondary secondary really didn't have a bad game. Um, and the defense really didn't either. It was just, 
they just gave up too many small chunk plays to Detroit in the second half. And at that point, yeah, I don't know if that's a conditioning thing or if it's just, again, like we're saying, they have, you know, too many guys out there who are having elevated roles on this defense that you weren't planning on doing that. And then the second half, the opposing coaches are able to make adjustments and say, all right, you know, we know that, like you said, Clark, Elliott, Humphrey, uh, Campbell, these guys are, are playing at all pro levels. Let's attack these, these younger guys and, and make them beat us. Um, but whatever it is, and uh, I agree, it is odd to see the Ravens' defense in this form. Although we have seen it before, albeit I don't want to bring up the seasons because they were not uh, seasons that the Ravens played as well. But I do feel, I agree with you that it is correctable because even those seasons when the Ravens' defense started out poorly, uh, you know, they were getting carved up in the passing end like butter. Even those years, you look at how the, where the Ravens finished at the end of the season, and in all categories, they were in the top half of the league. You know, even those years, they didn't finish maybe as dominant as, you know, some of these teams have. But there really hasn't been a year that I can think of where this team had problems at the, on the defensive end and things weren't solidified by year's end. So hopefully some of these vets guys will be able to get healthier with their injuries. Um, the guys with COVID should be back next week. And then, you know, we're waiting still on guys like Derek Wolf still waiting for him to suit up this year. Uh, I did see Jimmy Smith play a bit on Sunday. I don't know how many, what's the percentage of the snaps he was in there for, but that was good to see Jimmy Smith back out there because we'll definitely need him going down the stretch. Yeah, he played 19 snaps, about 30% this game. So they kind of eased him back in. We saw more of every other uh, secondary player than Jimmy Smith. But I think it was good to see, you know, that limited action from him. I guess, you know, while we're talking about the defense and kind of snap counts, we saw some other interesting things. Board played a lot more snaps this game as well. Um, kind of overtook some of the snaps we saw out of uh, Harrison. And, uh, you know, Harrison was playing a lot more in the previous games than he did in this game, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, we also saw Josh Bynes activated for the first time. He also played a good bit of snaps. And, um, man, it feels really bad. Hayes only had four snaps before he got hurt. He's on the IR now. It's an ankle injury. I don't have any other specifics about how long he'll be out. But, man, that guy just has not caught a break his rookie season. Yeah, poor guy. I hope he's able to bounce back. Um, if he's able to contribute this year and, and be healthy, that'd be great. But, uh, yeah, we'd definitely like to have him back for the years to come. Um, him and Oway will hopefully you know, provide a good pass rush tandem for us. But, yeah, going back to the linebackers, I, I feel like um, Harrison getting fewer snaps might kind of be a continuation of things. Honestly, Queen... I feel like Queen is almost in that position too, but unfortunately we just don't have too many guys that are better at this point to kind of take over his spot. But yeah, you know, three weeks, three weeks in a row, I think like they'll make a handful of plays, but uh, they give up a lot more Queen in particular. I know a lot of people are just getting frustrated with him, but just not, not tackling, you know, going back to the fundamentals of just not wrapping guys up. There are plenty of reps that you could see from him too. He's just like, indecisive hits the wrong hole and run defense and you know gets behind a guy and just not making plays it's really frustrating to watch you know he's got all the speed in the world it's just you know i think it's like a it's a rep thing uh one you know with the fundamentals of just being able to tackle guys properly you know take that marlo (laughs) 
take that uh, uh Marlo 101, you know, tackling 101 for Marlo. Like if he could take that, like he would be making a lot more plays than he is. But the other thing too is just the mental of just like, you know, if you find a hole and if it's the right one, just attack it. Don't show that hesitation because as soon as you show that, you know, Queen just doesn't have the strength to be able to get off blocks like other guys. And it's just, it's a shame because you just kind of see him and you're like, you're not really affecting the play whatsoever. So I don't know him, you know, it's not all bad. You know, there's, there's, it's very correctable the things that we can do. But honestly, I think all those guys, like they need to be coached up a little bit more and they need to, you know, start elevating their play because, uh, longer this goes on, the longer it kind of feels like a repeat of 2019, to be honest. Yeah, I think there are. I think there's questions that need to be answered as to whether or not Harrison and Queen are really fits in this defense. Um, both have shown a lot of potential, but like you said, there's things both of them have to work on, and eventually we're going to have to stop saying that. <laughs> They're going to have to step up and and be vets and do their job. Um, I mean, I think Queen again. He's pretty young. Uh, he came out of college after his junior year, I believe. Uh, he's only just turned 22 years old last month, so mm-hmm. he's still got a lot of growing to do. Yeah, Harrison, I'm still wondering more and more, like, what is it that he does that, what's his niche on the defense? Uh, he Every now and again, we see him make a tackle, and then he can make some hard tackles, as we saw in the, the wildcard game against Tennessee last year. But it just feels like he disappears a lot uh, often and just isn't really involved in things. I don't know if that's just how I'm watching the game or if that's really what's happening. I just feel like he's a guy who really start, needs to start making more of an impact to kind of justify him having a role in this defense going forward besides just the Ravens need to play someone at that position. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, if he could be a standout at run defense, that would be good. If it would pass rush, that would be good. If, it, you know, pass defense, something. But yeah, it's like all three of those phases, just like none of them are that really great. Um, he's good on special teams, but, you know, you're a third round pick and we have like three other linebackers that could play special teams. So Queen's a weird one, man. He just like seems to lack the physical strength. It's like almost not even a how to tackle thing. It's just he can't quite finish with his his build, so to speak. Like you saw that goal line stand against uh, Jamal Williams. He tackles him and he thought that he stopped him. Now, it was a good play by the other guy. He got a paycheck to that game, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, he didn't stop him at all. You know, it was a touchdown. Like, you know, he he had him squared up. He like, you know, uh, delivered the hit stick. I imagine in his eyes, and it just wasn't enough. And those are the kinds of plays you just want to see made. You want to see him out muscle Williams. You you want to see the true stop there, and it just just wasn't there. Yeah, I don't blame him so much for that one. One because it you know. His strength is not goal line defense. Like, his strength is speed. Like, if he got really good at open field tackling, he would be a monster because he just has the speed to get to guys. But, you know, for a goal line, like, you know, one, like, yeah, he's not going to blow anybody up with, you know, raw strength unless he wants to put on 15, 20 pounds or something and for muscle next offseason, which I guess he could. But, you know, the other thing, too, is I think Jamal Williams didn't hit the ground. He's kind of, like, fell on top of another guy, which kind of kept him up. So... You know, maybe, you know, maybe Queen might have made the play if, you know, there wasn't a guy for him to fall on top of is kind of what I'm saying. But certainly I think the bottom line is um, we'd love to see some more uh, continued growth from our linebackers. Um, You know, I think right now, like you said, the secondary is playing at a pretty high level, even without Marcus Peters. Uh, It was great to see Elliott back, even though he didn't play as many snaps as he usually does. Um, I think he seemed pretty effective. 
Um, so as one, you know, secondary is good. If we get the D line back, if Derek Wolf can finally get healthy, I think that gives us a solid D line rotation. It's really the linebackers that are uh, the biggest question mark right now. I think on this defense. Yeah, you're right, Chris. I think uh, we're three games in now. The defense, like we said, is kind of a a bit of a head scratcher. We thought some of the things that we're seeing as issues might have been corrected based off you know some early preseason play and just uh, the developments we thought we were seeing. And um, I think going against what is uh, regarded as one of the better defenses in the league, the Broncos next week, uh, this will kind of get the Ravens in uh, a mindset where they need to show that they are also a, a good defense in this league that can uh, deliver. And they'll definitely need to against their um, offensive firepower. If we circle back to the offense... I want to go back to what I think Peter was saying. This was probably the best game I ever saw Lamar as a passer. And it wasn't just the fact that the balls were landing right in the fingertips of all his players <laughs> catching questionable, but uh, it was his footwork. I thought he did a really good job reestablishing his base when he was scrambling. And it's not that he doesn't normally do that, but it seemed more deliberate and the throws that he was getting out of there just like, it was textbook. It's an, I imagine all of this coaching he's gone through, all the reps he's done to try to improve, you're seeing it. And he just looks so much better as a passer. And it just, uh, I think the league's kind of on notice, man. Like with the wide receivers playing better, with Bateman and uh, <laughs> Boykin <laughs> coming back to practice, one of them we're definitely more excited about than the other. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think, uh, I think there's a lot of reason to think with, a Lamar Jackson at the helm, this offense could be one of the better passing offices in this league. And you add in the run game, and that's going to be awesome. The guy's playing really well. I think he's a top 12 passer at this point. Like, ball thrower. Yeah, I mean, I think he could be. There's a lot of good passers in the NFL right now, but his mechanics and his the touch that he has has always been underrated, I think. Obviously, you know, is he always accurate? Is his footwork always crisp? No. But yeah, like you said, what we saw on Sunday is him at his best and what he can do. Um, so I agree. I think we saw the beginnings of what this passing attack really can be. We you know, we saw finally a defense that didn't cover Mark Andrews with four guys every time the ball was snapped. So we saw him have a great game. Hollywood put himself in position to have... A monster game. He got himself. He got. He beat coverage again and again. Um, just had some mental lapses, and I think you know he will recover from that and still be able to make big plays. Watkins is continuing to be a solid third option in the passing game. We even saw Duvernay and Prochet get involved as well. I mean, the Ravens' offense kind of beat themselves in this game with just not everything being in sync in the passing game, but. You can you can see what's to come. You can see the foundation of it, and as the season goes along, I, I agree. I think we're going to see Lamar put up some really big passing numbers that are going to surprise a lot of people from other fan bases. We, we we saw the potential for this when the when Bateman was added, when Watkins was added, and with the improvement Duvernay and Prochet showed in the preseason, as well as just knowing that Andrews and Hollywood are still there. If there's other guys who can step up in the passing offense, aside from those two guys who've been here ever since Lamar's been here, this passing offense can actually be formidable for for the first time in a while. I want to add something to this, Peter. 
you know, when I made that comment, I think it's pretty bold. And it sounds like a homer take of like a top 12 passer. One thing I think people don't realize about Lamar Jackson, if they don't watch him every week, because they hear these stupid narratives by bozos that don't actually, they have no, they have no, honestly, man, if they just like hired us and other like rogue podcasters, I think there'd be much better analysis of these teams, you know, (laughs) than what we actually see from the gumbles of the world and everything. The, The thing is, man, a lot of other quarterbacks, when they're under pressure and under duress, they don't look down the field. Is they they, they stop looking downfield. They look they're scrambling, and Lamar is so natural in the pocket, so good at getting away from pressure and keeping his eyes downfield. For everyone who wants to say he just wants to take off and run, they're 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 fooling themselves. The guy is always looking downfield, almost to a fault, <laughs> given his legs. <laughs> like sometimes you're just like, go run, dude. <laughs> like I saw a couple times. He was trying to make a play with his passing, looking downfield, and he hesitated to run. And eventually he ran, but then he got caught from behind. And if he had made the decision a little sooner to run, I think he would have been better off. But the guy keeps wanting to look downfield, and then you see it pay dividends. You see him hit these long passes, that like insanely long developing crochet route, right? Like There's a lot of uh, reason to say this guy is an excellent passer, and I think the balls he delivers in those moments are great. You know, and I think that is extremely underrated in his game. And a lot of people would not know that he does that week in and week out. Totally right. Pinpoint accurate. That throw he had to Hollywood that he dropped, that Hollywood dropped on the two yard line. Pinpoint accurate. Scramble out to his, on his, to his left side on the run. He throws that right in stride to Marquise Brown. That's a touchdown if he holds on to it. The James Prochet play, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, that was. You know, we've we've been talking on this podcast, hyping up James Prochet, and that was an excellent job by Lamar, like you said, to extend the play, and great job by Prochet as well to make that catch and stay in bounds, tiptoeing at the sideline. With the exception of the interception he threw late in the game, which, you know, you got to take the good with the bad. He's a player who wants to do everything he can to win and sometimes tries too hard, and that was a case of that. And he knows that. And more often than not, he's going to make a good play in that situation. Yeah, it was... I think we've been waiting for Lamar to look as good as a pass as he did on Sunday since probably week one against Cleveland. Um, I think he had a very similar game week one last year. And then just the passing game just was just kind of been just a little off since then. But yeah... His mechanics were great. Throws were accurate all over the place. Really good signs for the rest of the season. I think to me, the the offensive game plan seemed pretty deliberate. And by that, I mean, like, Roman this week was like, okay, we're going to establish this deep passing game, and we're really going to focus on that this week. You know, I think for me, was it a good game for Omar? I think it was good. Um, I don't think it was the best. I think part of it for me was that, you know, Lamar was accurate, you know, could he have been more accurate? I think maybe on a few throws, if, you know, if he's off by a few inches, I think it could have made the, made a little bit uh, of a difference, I think, uh, particular that kind of pass to Andrews. If there's maybe a little bit more time for Andrews to adjust to that one as well, that could have also been a touchdown. You know, I don't put that on Lamar. I'm not saying that, but there's like, I don't know, like it could be perfect, but like also like, you know, other things can be perfect too. So it's not, you know, I, I think perfect is kind of relative here. I, I think that the one thing though, that I really like to see though, is that 
well, I guess two things I'll say. One, I feel like, I don't know if Lamar was intentionally trying to look for the, you know, 20, 30 yard play every single time, but I felt like when he was kind of kept looking downfield, kept looking downfield for things to develop, I wish there was some sort of um, shorter intermediate passing option for Lamar to kind of dump it down of like, okay, you don't have to go for the touchdown here, but if you can go and pick up the first down and get a little bit more yak or something, like that's totally fine. Um, Because I felt like, you know, I think uh, Lamar took four sacks this game. I believe a couple of them were coverage sacks. You know, there's just a few of those plays where I'm just like, you know, you dump it off. Like, if you don't want to run, that's fine. Dump it off to somebody who's open and let them pick it up. Uh, I just felt like he was kind of just waiting for something to develop a little bit too long and didn't really feel the pressure from the Lions. I think that needs to be cleaned up a little bit. And the other thing, too, I I wish I had the All-22 for this to kind of look at a little bit more, but I I don't think Lamar made the wrong decisions for some of them. So, you know... I think there are a handful of plays. I just wish that there was maybe another option that was available to allow Lamar to not have to make the absolute perfect throw. So one, for example, I know that first uh, deep ball that went to Watkins on the right sideline. Yeah, if he were able to make that, I'm going to put it like a few more inches out of the hand of that cornerback. Watkins probably could have made a play on it. But I feel like the margin for error for that pass was just like so small, right? I mean, Watkins may be able to have gotten both feet in bounds, but by the time he hit that bobble, he was out of bounds at that point. So I I just, I wish on a play like that of like, I I don't hate that he took a shot, you know, and it wasn't a pick. Everything was like, it was incompletion, no big deal. That's all fine. I just wish that there was, you know, maybe a few more other options you know that Lamar could have uh, been able to take there and again I don't have the all 22 I'm not saying that there was an option available um, I just wish that there were you know some easier things to kind of more efficient passes you know not have to go for those uh, you know deep passes sort of like you know touchdown uh, throws every single time so that's my only criticism I think from from the game the other day I got a criticism then I don't know what they were doing in the run game I think uh, Tyson Williams deserved more touches than he got and uh, I think it's a pretty common take. And I understand why they're playing Freeman. I think it doesn't result, though, in good play. Like, I know he had that 130-yard run, but uh, the three runs that he had in this game, all of them felt like, uh, you know, just a lack of, of burst really hurt him. He hesitated so much. Um, yeah. It felt like they were trying to use him in the Dobbins role last year where he would have the speed to go to the edge. But one, credit to, the, I think, the Lions for having linebackers in, in good spots. I think they were just containing very well. But mm-hmm. Freeman just hesitated for a second. He was like trying to make a move on the linebacker and then would end up losing yards. It just did not work. <laughs> he doesn't have moves. <laughs> yeah. Not anymore. Yeah, the use of the running backs in this game was extremely confusing to me as well. Um you know, first to Chris's point, you know, talking about an option uh, out in the flat for Lamar to throw to if, if the deep ball isn't there. Um, he was throwing to Tyson Williams plenty in the first two weeks, but they just didn't have that option for him this week. Williams had one target. He didn't catch it. And that was it. The other running backs didn't get anything thrown their way either. In my opinion, I'm not a coach, but the, the vet running backs that they've brought in their combined carry total should be less than whatever Tyson gets in the game, in my opinion. Again, I'm not an NFL evaluator of talent, but he looks like he's got potential. He looks to me to have as much potential as Edwards did when he was a rookie. And 
the guy, he averaged 4.4 yards per carry on Sunday on five carries. We saw this Lions defense get gashed by San Francisco and Green Bay on the ground. It seemed like an obvious uh, area for the Ravens to attack. And yet we really don't know, you know, if, if as the game went on, they just weren't seeing that, that this was a game that Williams could dominate or just didn't get to him because five carries, you're really not going to get too good of an idea of what a guy can do during the game. They want to work in different running backs. Um, I guess just to see what you have with Freeman was why they threw him out there. But I mean, Murray's done fine as the short yardage guy in, in red zone. And like I said, Williams has done great in the first two weeks. I don't know. I agree. It was a very odd move on the, the Ravens part in a spot where it seemed like they wouldn't have to think too hard to have a successful day on the ground. Yeah. I think that was honestly, I think the run pass option was kind of like the root of my issues of like, yeah, if the Ravens had executed better, I think it would have been a fantastic day for Momar. Um, I think he did good at passing, but I just I, it got really away from the Ravens' identity, and it was just uncharacteristically bad. And again, it just it showed up in the stats, right? Of uh, I think, like you said, they can be they completed or they converted one third down out of ten. I think for yeah. the day, um, that's awful. <laughs> that is for a team that prides itself on efficient offense. I mean, that was just so awful. So many different attempts too of just getting into third and long positions and not being able to convert and then having to settle for field goals. It was just very uncharacteristic overall for the Ravens offense. That last drive in particular that ended in the the field goal, it's just the team in my opinion, the team got bailed out so hard by Watkins on the fourth and nineteen. And also the the soft coverage by the Lions. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah, the the three plays beforehand, I just were just like indicative of just the whatever type of offense the, the Ravens are trying to play today. It's just like Lamar can be almost perfect, and like yeah, the receivers could have caught the ball, but just at the end of the day, like if you have a little these little things and you're just not executing in the way they are, like you're just not going to have an efficient offense. Like you got to look at the end of the day, like you know was the offense effective or not? And I I think the answer was no, it just was not effective. So I guess I'm glad that they tried it out on a game like this where you know, maybe the opponent was not so bad. Like they could experiment a little bit with more things, but I'm definitely looking forward to having uh, more guys like Bateman to, to ch- just give another target. I don't want to say proven target because he's not proven yet, but you know, another like hopefully reliable target for Lamar. You know what I mean? Of just, it's going to take a while for the Ravens to transition this like passing attack. Uh, it's, and we're going to need all the pieces on deck to be able to do that. Yeah, I loved how the announcers were saying that, you know, Le'Veon Bell's getting into game shape. He's going to be an interesting weapon. And I'm just still thinking to myself, man, we saw so much of Le'Veon Bell when he was at the Steelers, when he was in his heyday. I know how he runs. And I can't imagine that patience working in this offense. This offense is about going, you know, like it is about the option plays, hitting your holes aggressively and like I, you know, you can't just like wait for the whole develop so much in this offense. I feel like you gotta like go. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not confident there. I can see maybe being a good pass catcher, right? Maybe that works out really well, but I have almost no hope that that's the answer. In a way, I'm more excited that McCrary found his way back to our practice squad. You know, <laughs> like yeah. he might be more interesting than some of these vet guys I brought in. Uh, yeah. as the third running back so 
I don't Freeman. I don't think Freeman's the one. I think Latavius Murray has a role, and it's just a matter of trying to figure this out at the third running back position. Such a shame that a position of such depth and strength has not become this kind of head scratcher. But at least the Ravens are the Ravens, and I think it's the position we're most able to overcome the weaknesses that we're finding. Yeah, that is an interesting point. I I, I think if if Bell were I'm not saying that he is, but if he were to make his way on the roster, I think it would have to be as the pass-catching pass back. Murray's not that guy. Tyson can be that guy, but we need another alternative to Tyson. I don't think Freeman's that guy. Um, another thing, too, with, you know, if Ravens O-line's not able to solidify itself for cards, probably going to be back a lot more uh, in blocking. So he's not going to be that option in the flat for Omar to go to. Bell could be really interesting if he finally actually gets into game shape and they bring him up. Uh, I think that would definitely have to be his role. Yeah, and he does a pretty good job at uh, pass pro as well. So I could definitely see him working out as that kind of like third down back. I just I just think of his like hesitation runs. Yeah, and, his, his and running the, st- his <laughs> classic running style just does not fit at all. I agree with that. Yeah, I guess uh, one thing also worth pointing out is the offensive line play. You just mentioned they weren't doing great. Uh, in fact, Patrick Card, no offensive lineman, <laughs> he was. Uh, playing so many snaps as a extra blocker that uh, they they even called him when he was in motion that he was <laughs> an offensive lineman, which got me giggling as I am right now. And uh, you know we saw more rotation with Ben Cleveland. He did not win the snap battle uh, that went to Powers by a slight edge at that guard position. We saw McCarry have a, a worse day than he had last week, but serviceable. Uh, Villanueva got pushed back. You know, everyone had uh, a couple bad snaps, and they felt like to me watching the run game. One of the big reasons the run game never really got going is we didn't see many of those highlight blocking setups. You know, where you know what I was saying last week when the blocks hit just right, it's beautiful. We didn't get really many of those at all. You know, the blocks really didn't hit. <laughs> it always felt like one guy wasn't quite in position, and that allowed the one defensive player to make the play. And that's all it takes, right? So. Unfortunately, just not a great performance in, in either way. We saw Lamar get a couple times where the pop collapsed. I thought he did really well in those situations. I mean, heroic. Nobody's really talking about the fact. I, I remember when watching it, one of the guys was like, oh, Lamar, you're blowing the game because he like, you know, f- stumbled out of bounds. But I was like, bro, he got out of like what should have been a dead to right sack. Like, be thankful he got out of bounds and like we're 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 living to see another day you know like that that was almost the best option uh given what happened and uh you know it's just not the best game gotta see it improve and it's starting to sound like the reinforcements might not be coming with stanley i'm starting to get pretty nervous about uh the rhetoric around his injury today they were saying he was meeting with doctors as harbaugh was talking and he wanted to give any uh, you know, say anything more, but decisions had to be made, which sound to me like now or later for some sort of uh, surgery to help clean something up or when is he going to take that lump, so to speak? And I'm just like, ah, that's not great. Cause I think if he does have surgery, um, it's going to be a that's while until we see him. Yeah. It's probably yeah. it for this season. I don't know if I would say it for the season, but I think he'd be out of commission until late. You know, I think it would be until the double digit games that we would see him. Sounds like a multi-month thing, but I'm no, I'm no uh, injury doctor. Yeah, it's a shame. It, it seems like every week too. Just you know, fortunately the Ravens were able to sneak out with a win this week, but it seems like just every week, man, just another injury or just <sighs> the COVID cases and everything, just not at full strength. 
the Ravens are lucky to be in it. They've been playing some, you know, they've been hanging in there, which has been good. They haven't been playing great football, but they've been playing good football. You just hope that eventually they hit one point where they can and get enough of a core of guys healthy for a little bit and hopefully get together and make a run. All right, so now it's a portion of the show where we move on to the MVPs for the game. Do we just want to give it to Justin Tucker and call it a game? <laughs> I think so. I was actually going to say, we need to talk about special teams, but honestly, Justin Tucker is the MVP. Uh, so we should just talk about him now. 66-yard field goal, longest ever in NFL history. <laughs> and in classic Tucker fashion with the uh, the bounce on the <laughs> on the on the goalpost too of just there was a little bit of hesitation of like is he gonna make it and then nah he's just toying with us. He's he's definitely gonna make it. Classic Tucker move. Yeah, he might have missed one earlier, but who cares? Uh he made the Hall of Fame game winning kick at the end, as he always does. What a guy. Hey, sixteen for sixteen on game deciding kicks in his career. You gotta love it. That's not true. <laughs> I'm sorry. That that's that sucks because I think we all remember when he missed against New Orleans. All right, let me. I guess bring that wasn't this. a game deciding. That was a game. Time. All right, let me bring up exactly <laughs> yeah. what I read. They're also yeah. probably talking about that. Set also probably talks about field goal kicks in particular, which probably takes out yeah. extra points. No, I mean I'm not yeah. saying you know I'm not trying to take away from that stat. I just was like, man, I remember one time it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, so here, here's the actual stat it's not it's he is 16 for 16 on kicks in the last minute of games for his career so yes he did miss the one extra point that cost us overtime in that game but every time we've needed him for a game-winning field goal or game-tying field goal i suppose since this stat isn't doesn't go into that much detail dude's delivered oh, i mean I mean, I put down the MVPs, guys. Like, not only do we have Tucker, we have his uh, kicking cleat, his planting cleat. You know, I think you can have a talk for about uh, Cook and Moore. You know, like, they, they all <laughs> contributed to this uh, excellent play. I guess you got to mention Watkins for, for his extra effort, too. I Watching it live, I was like, why isn't he going out of bounds? But, you know, yeah, maybe they told him on the sideline, we need to get it so Tucker can get the 65 yards. And he was just fighting for those extra yards, just got one yard short of it. Because, you know, Tucker was saying in pregame, yeah, he was struggling to make it from 65, but uh, he was able to get it in the uh, the game. I I didn't notice this. Um, I was actually pointed out to this one by my dad when I was talking to him before the show. Do you guys see Tucker added like a little bit of a hop step right before he went into his kicking motion before the kick? Yes. Yeah, he actually talked about it in his postgame. Apparently in his... Uh, state of decrepitude, his old age <laughs> he needs a little bit extra umph and uh he's he, last year he started playing around with this like extra step for longer kicks and uh he got on like happy gilmore that he said <laughs> you know it just like lets it loose like kind of like a kickoff he just runs right through the ball uh and hits it so uh you give up some accuracy you give up some amazing. accuracy but you get some extra power and, Do uh, you? Could that kick have been more accurate? <laughs> I, know, I know, right? <laughs> that was that was the beauty of it, right? You're watching the kick. Everyone stops what they're doing to watch the kick. And he gets off his foot and it's like, well, that's straight. That part's good, right? You're not worried about going, you know, a lot of the times you see these guys go for the long kicks. You know it's not going to make it just because it's way too far wide. But this guy, it was right down the middle. So then it was just like, does he have the leg? And it looked good. And then, of course it was, but it was a little bit closer than, you know, we suspected maybe. And when it hit the crossbar, oh my God. Of course, the extra 
suspension. Uh, it really added to the uh, Celine Dion uh, crescendo there, you know? <laughs> it really had to hit just right with that extra suspense. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know whether you guys saw, but I think uh, somebody on the Ravens subreddit shared a video from somebody took from the game, and they were on... I guess the left side of the field goal. And so they were able to get this shot of the ball as it was going in. It, it definitely on the broadcast, it looked like it was a more dramatic, like kind of went straight up and then back. But if you look at it from the side, it kind of like hit it and then immediately kind of arced to the back. Oh, the broadcast angle, the broadcast angle tricked my mind so bad. Like I saw it go and I thought I saw it bounce out, but then I saw the ball hit the back of the net. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a little confusing from that angle. Yeah. But then I got confused again because, you know, our fan base travels so well. I saw all these hands up in the air cheering, and I was just like, well, f-. But then I realized, <laughs> wait a second. No, it's just the stadium's filled with Ravens fans. We made it. <laughs> yeah, it was wild, man. And Oh, man. It was perfect, right? You know, he was in a, uh, a dome, so he had perfect conditions, so to speak. Uh, just able to get after it and uh and and do and do the thing and i like the fact that uh a couple of the linemen turned their back to it <laughs> like they, i guess they felt real good about it they saw it on its way and they were like looking at tucker before they that weren't even watching it go through <laughs> they, they, they couldn't uh you know they couldn't watch <laughs> but uh oh my gosh that was that was nuts and i put at the beginning of the show the uh call because I think it, it's so much better when you hear uh, Sandusky say it, you know, <laughs> it's so much better than what we got from the the other announcers. So I made sure to add that in for anyone who wasn't listening to the radio broadcast. Man, yeah, what a kick. What a kick. And then one last thing, one last stat I'm just seeing right here on Twitter before we close it out. Lamar Jackson is apparently the fourth quarterback in NFL history along with Dan Marino, Kurt Warner and Patrick Mahomes with at least 32 wins in their first 40 career starts. Mm. You know I'll say that work it's a victory it's in the win column we won't forget how this happened we'll always be a little annoyed it wasn't pretty but it's doing the job so to speak and uh, we're going to have to just keep on looking forward the next game is against the Broncos who haven't lost a game yet they're in the top of their division while the Chiefs are at the bottom. No one saw that coming. That wasn't on your uh, bingo card. So we'll uh, get into that preview. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us, Ravens underscore recap on Twitter. I think there's a poll every week now. Uh, Peter's been doing a great job putting out these polls. I- I'm assuming you'll see Peter, right? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. the poll master. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I see. Sometimes I look at the the client right of uh of who tweeted, and I'm like, oh, that was, that was Peter, <laughs> or you know, oh, that was Chris. But uh, you know, the polls have been great. I really enjoy seeing what everyone's thinking, and lots of fun there. So make sure to go follow us, and of course, you can email us feedback at ravensrecap.com. We're looking forward to the next game. I wanted to go to this game, man. Denver is a beautiful city, great stadium, and uh, you know, iconic stadium too. So. Hopefully, maybe one of our listeners is traveling in the game. Make sure to bring that uh, extra energy, and we'll talk to you later in the week. Go Ravens.